Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning. Happy New Year to you. Look, we're only two days in to 2022, and you're already crushing it. Come on, somebody. You're here in church. And if you're not able to make it, you're joining us online, which is also great. If for some reason you can't physically be here, or maybe you just didn't want to put on an animal and come to church today, that's okay. We're glad that you're here digitally as well. Now, for those of you that are in the room, I do have a question for you. How many of you were surprised when you came and you discovered that this is a family service? Your kids are coming to service with you. Yeah, I see some hands and some teeth. It's quite a surprise. <laughs> so we, we uh, recognize it may have thrown you off guard, but I think sometimes it's important for us to have family worship. I mean, how else are the younger generations going to know that he is God and know the way to worship him if they don't learn as been modeled by the more seasoned generations. And so there is value in family worship. However, don't get used to it, kids and preteens, because we are gonna have our regularly scheduled programming next weekend. So hopefully we'll see you back there in Met Kids and, and in Met Preteens. But because it's a family service, I thought that it was the perfect setting for us to talk about and have a conversation regarding blessing our families. Now, the word blessing is pretty frequently and commonly used in our culture. Now, this is your first chance to be a really good audience member by doing a little group participation. So I'm gonna give you some examples as to how we use the word blessing and you get the chance to participate. You ready? Okay, here's the first one. So sometimes, if not most of the time for you, your family, before you eat a meal, you say the blessing. blessing. Down in the South, what do we say about, oh, their little hearts? What are we going to do? We're going we're gonna to bless their little hearts. And if someone sneezes, what do we shout? COVID! No, I'm just kidding. We say, that's what we're thinking. We say, bless you. We want to bless them. It's a part of our everyday normal vernacular to use the word blessing or derivative thereof, but there's something more to the blessing especially when we're talking about the context of a biblical blessing. And so today, that's exactly what we're going to do. The blessing is a powerful tool that can be used to communicate love and acceptance to our loved ones, as well as to convey and transmit the heart of God. Now, certainly this message has a parenting bent. However, don't check out if you're single, but want to mingle. Come on, single people, where you at? Don't check out if you're a grandparent, maybe you're an empty nester, and maybe you are uh, married without kids, or you're a young person yourself, and here's why. The blessing is for everyone. It is something that can be given and received irrespective of demographics, socioeconomic status. It is made available to anyone and everyone who is an open and a willing heart. And it has the power to transform hearts. It has the power to instill purpose and significant significance to mend relationships. And in today's context, it has the power to be able to nourish and build up our families. There's a lot of reasons why individuals may go see a counselor. 
And I think actually going to seek out counsel is a very godly and biblical thing to do. In fact, the Bible says um, it's only foolish people that don't ask for counsel. So if you wanna be wise and walk with God, go get some counsel. Biblical counsel is best, of course. So when you have the nourishment, the washing of God's word, as well as practical advice. With all that being said, I've never met an adult who has shared with me, you know, I went and saw a counselor because I experienced some trauma as a child. Well, why is that? I didn't get the gift I wanted at Christmas. I've never heard that. Now there are probably some kids going, oh yeah, well, I'm gonna see a counselor because I don't get any gifts, you know? But I'm just telling you, I've never heard that story. I have heard from time and time and time again that adults look back on their childhood and say, I need to go seek some counsel because of some trauma I experienced for various reasons, one of which maybe they never received love and acceptance from their parents. They felt rejected, isolated. They felt alone. That's where the blessing comes in. It's that powerful tool to nourish and rebuild. So my hope today is that for some of us, we can rectify some of the hurts that we've experienced in the past. And for all of us, this can be an opportunity for our families to be rebuilt, nourished, challenged, challenged and strengthened. So if you're ready, turn to somebody and say, bring on the blessing. Three of you are excited. Okay, that's fantastic. Happy New Year. So I'm gonna look at a story today in Genesis chapter 25. And this story in the Old Testament, it shows five simple ways that we can receive and be the blessing. There's just five of them. We're gonna unpack them today. And this story is that of Jacob and Esau. Now these are twin brothers, but they could not be any different. Uh, it says of Esau, he's born first. He's the firstborn. And I love how the Bible describes him. It doesn't say, what a cute little tyke. It says, this was a hairy little fella. Now, I don't know any mama out there that wishes to bless their little baby by calling him a hairy little fella. I, don't I mean, sometimes they're born with a full head of hair and you're like, oh my goodness, look at full head of hair, just flowing locks from sea to shining sea. But nobody wants to birth a baby Chewbacca. I'm just saying they don't wanna do that. That's what Esau is. And so naturally he's got, literally, the Bible says his hair is everywhere like that of an animal. So it's only natural that he loves the outdoors. He was a very skilled hunter. So there's Esau. And then Jacob, the second born, the Bible describes that as he comes out of the womb, he's literally grabbing onto the heel of his older brother Esau, which I think really typifies the tension that exists between these two boys. And, and it continued throughout their entire lives. And, and so I, I want you to have some hope, parents. If you have children who are at odds with each other and, and they are just at each other's throats, I want you to know there's hope because it, it doesn't get any worse than Jacob and Esau. I mean, it, it was just, it was bad, the tension that existed between the two of them. Jacob being born second, grabbing on to the, the heel of his brother. He's a very different personality disposition uh, than his older brother. He didn't like the outdoors. Uh, he was more of a, an inside kid. Uh, I don't really know what they did whenever they were in their tents and I don't know what activities you did other than I do know he was a really good cook. He loved to cook. Um, he loved hanging out with mom and, and Esau loved, kind of, kind of like a man's man, loved hanging out with dad. There's a difference there. If you have children, you know that they are not the same. They have different dispositions. They have different wirings different callings. But here's, although we know that, it doesn't stop us from comparing them with each other. I wish you were more like your brother. You just need to be more like your older sister. 
And I know at times as parents we're really well-intentioned, what we're saying, we're trying to say is that I want you to adopt the attributes and the attitudes of your sibling who's doing things really well because I want, I want things to go well for you. They don't hear that. They hear, you're not enough. You're a mistake. You need to be more like someone you can't be. But here's something I tell our teenagers and our kids all the time and met youth and met kids. I, I just say, look, everybody else is taken. So you might as well be you. You know, you might as well just embrace who you are. And so as parents, we need to remember that it's by God's design that our children are, are different. Sometimes we believe that because I was an athlete, well, my kids need to be an athlete. Well, remember, Proverbs 22, six says, train up a child in the way they should go. It didn't say, train up a child in the way you went. But yeah, we're trying to make little me juniors, aren't we? Train up a child in the way they should go. I may have been an athlete, but you might be a mathlete. Come on, somebody. That's okay. That's okay. I like algebra too, all right? Sometimes we say, I I'm just not really comfortable that you enjoy music. I don't really like music. And so I'm just not gonna be involved in your life. No, no, no. If you like music, look, I'm, a, I'm gonna buy some AirPods and I'm gonna jam out, baby. We are gonna connect. I, whatever God has put in you, I'm gonna draw that out and we're gonna do this together. I'm gonna help you find your purpose. That's what God wants us to do with our children. Jacob and Esau, totally different. And we know there probably was some of that tension that existed because it does say that Esau and, and Isaac, they kind of had a closer relationship and Jacob and his mom had a closer relationship. It's possible that they kind of separated into two, into two camps because maybe mom and dad didn't really know how to connect with both kids because they, they really just connected with a kid that, that looked more like them. But it's important for us to embrace the uniqueness of our children, celebrate who they are and help them achieve all that God has put in them, the greatness that he has placed inside of them. So you have Jacob and Esau, they are completely different and they're at odds with one another. And it escalates to the point where Jacob conspires with his mom, Rebecca, to steal the blessing from the firstborn son, Esau, that was going to be given to him by their father, Isaac. Now, already we can see how significant the blessing is because it was something worth stealing. I don't know about you, but I don't steal protractors. Well, I don't steal anything. Let's clarify that. I don't steal toothpicks. I mean, things that are in value or that just don't have very much value, that are just not worth taking. The blessing was so valued, so treasured. Although they went about the wrong way, Jacob was desperate to experience the blessing. So he conspires with his mom, Rebecca, to steal the blessing that belonged to the firstborn son, Esau. And, and here's how it all unfolds. When you fast forward to two chapters later in Genesis 27, Isaac, he's getting really old in age. His physical conditions are deteriorating. And so he believes the end is near, which means I've got to bestow this blessing on my firstborn son before I, I, I go and, and meet the Lord. And so he brings in Esau and he says, hey, I want you to go out into the field and make a kill. I mean, you do what you do, boy, you, you go and hunt. You, you get an animal, you kill it, you bring it back. I want you to make a savory dish and then I want you to present it to me and, and then we're gonna have some father-son bonding time. I mean, I'm gonna eat this meal and I'm gonna have a smile on my face and, and it's gonna be delicious and then I'm going to bless you, son. So go out in the field. And Esau's so excited. He's ready to receive the blessing from the affirmation from his father. So he goes out into the field. But when that plan was communicated, Rebecca and Jacob overheard the plan. 
So they come up with a plan themselves to then put basically Jacob in a, in a, in a, a costume, a disguise, so that way that his aging father who's lost his sight will be deceived and believe that Jacob is Esau and then give Jacob the blessing instead. So Rebecca, she goes into Esau's closet. She picks out some of his clothes. She puts it on Jacob. Why? Because Esau's clothes had a unique smell because he loved to be outside. I don't know if you, you have a family member who wears perfume or cologne a lot. And, and anytime you smell that scent in a department store or you, you see someone walk by or reminds you of them, so that's what's happening. They put on the clothes on Jacob and then they prepare a meal just like Isaac had asked Esau to do. And, and before they bring the meal in, then Rebecca says, okay, so we got the smell taken care of. We got to make sure that your body feels like Esau. Remember, he's a hairy guy. He's Chewbacca. And so we need to go and get some goat skin and duct tape it, you know, all over, you know, put it all over you. And then you're ready. So then they bring in Jacob to see Isaac. And it's at this point in time that Jacob's ready to then steal, receive, take the coveted blessing. Now, I want to make sure it's very clear that even though there was a very special blessing that fathers in that culture would give to the firstborn son, they weren't the only ones that received a blessing. All throughout scripture, we see that fathers bless all of their children, all of them. There's a beautiful picture of the, of the blessing later on in Genesis when Jacob blesses all 12 of his children and he paints these wonderful pictures, word pictures for them and speaks directly into their lives, meeting them where they are and painting a picture of the future of where God wants to take them. It's, it's really wonderful. But the first blessing belonged to the firstborn. It was a special blessing. So what I wanna do is I wanna hone in on, really zero in on this blessing. And I want you to remember, this blessing is something that God wants to give to us and for us to then give to our loved ones. It's a grandparent giving it to the grandchild. It's a, it's a child giving it to a parent. It's, it's a spouse to a spouse. But in today's context, in particular, it's parents giving it to kids. But again, the principles of a blessing apply to any relationship that matters to you. So let's take a look at the blessing that Isaac gives to Jacob, believing he's Esau. Here's what we find in Genesis chapter 27. Then Isaac said, now my son, bring me the wild game. Let me eat it and then I'll give you my blessing. So Jacob took the food to his father and Isaac ate it. He also drank the wine that Jacob served him. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. So Jacob went over and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced and he blessed his son. He said, ah, the smell of my son. It's like the smell of the outdoors, which the Lord has blessed from the dew of the heaven, the richness of the earth. May God always give you abundant harvest of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants and may they bow down to you. May you be master over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed and all who bless you will be blessed. Did you see those five points of the blessing? I didn't think so. That's why I'm here. Here we go. The first one, based on this scripture, the first point, if you're taking notes, write this down. The first point of the blessing is give appropriate and meaningful touch. That's the first thing Isaac did. He pulled his son in. He said, come closer so that I may embrace you and kiss you. There's two things I want to point out with this. Number one, Jacob is not a little tyke. He's like in his 40s. Here's what it tells me. If you're a parent and you have an adult child and through this message, God speaks to your heart and you realize you may not have given your adult child a blessing, it's never too late. 
it's never too late. Number two, hugging and physical affection, they're not just for mommies and kids. They're for grown men too. We all need that meaningful touch for the blessing of God to be transmitted from us and to our loved ones. Kids particularly need meaningful, appropriate physical touch to feel safe and secure. Reminds me of a story of this four-year-old little girl. There's a thunderstorm and she's sleeping and this loud clap of the thunder wakes her up and she's frightened. And so she rushes down the hallway, jumps in bed with her parents and she covers up under the comforter and mom and dad wake up frantically. What's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? The little girl says, I'm scared. The lightning is so loud. The dad says, don't be afraid. The Lord's with you. He'll protect you. She looks at her daddy and she says, I know daddy, but right now I need someone with skin on. Isn't that true? Like, I know God's with me, but I, last time I checked, it said it's not good for man to be alone. And so that's why God fashioned a helper for him. I know God is with me, but I, I haven't touched God. He, I, he hasn't touched me physically. And so he's wired in us the need for us to have physical contact, to feel safe, secure, to have meaning, to have purpose. Physical touch is not just for kids, it's for adults too. There was a study um, at the University of UCLA in the medical school. And the study found that all adults need eight to 10 meaningful touches every day to be emotionally and physically healthy. Eight to 10 touches a day. Now, huggers all across the room are like, yay, come on, come here. Non-huggers are like, nah, shrieking inside themselves, no. We all need that physical affection. Now, to clarify, they defined what meaningful touch was. They said it's, it's like a, a gentle caress. You know, it's, a, it's like a hug. It's a, a, a sweet kiss. So I'm speaking to all the men in the room and we're thinking about all those touches. This is not a setup touch for something better in the end. You know what I'm saying? I'm just gonna end it there. It's a family service. Now, I want you to know I am not the most physically affectionate person. I, mean, I will affirm you all day long, all day. That is my love language. I will affirm you. I will speak life into you. Jessica, my wife, she is, her love language is physical touch. And it was just not my tradition growing up for there to be a lot of physical affection. And I get it if that's you. It was Jessica, because she, uh, she's a Cuban. See, her, her family, they're, they're Hispanic. And, and if you know anything about Hispanic culture, they love to hug and kiss. And it's, it's just all a bunch of fun. They have a good time. And so I didn't know that was an important part of her upbringing. And so we kind of had a disconnect for a little while. I mean, after reading this study, it, it became even more clear to me how important it is for me to, to show physical. Now I do show physical affection to her, but eight to 10 times a day. So I read that and I was like, I'm gonna try this out. So Thursday morning, she woke up and I was standing there ready. She stood up from the bed and I go, and then I whispered, I said, that's one. <laughs> she leaned her head back. She's like, one what? One touch. Like one is in, there's more. Oh, there's eight or nine more. These bad boys coming your way, baby. <laughs> eight to 10. Now that just seems like a whole lot to me. It does. But listen, I'm just gonna take their word for it because I haven't been a doctor since 1990, never. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just gonna take the research of the doctor's word for it. But I don't even have to do that. I can take God's word for it. Remember back in the creation account, God creates everything with his spoken word, except us. He touches the ground. He forms man, breathes a spirit into him to make him animate and living. And then he puts him to sleep and touches him again, 
pulls out a rib, fashions with his hands, a helper, a woman suitable for him, with his hands, breathes the spirit into her. See, God, I think it's not unreasonable to believe that God has woven into the very fabric of our humanity the need for meaningful physical touch. Whether it's eight times, 10 times, 20, I don't know. I just know it is a necessary part of us feeling love and accepted. Meaningful touch. That's how the blessing can be transmitted. Point number one. Point number two is speak a clear message of love and acceptance. Listen to what Isaac says. After, after he embraces them, the next thing he does is he speaks. He says, ah, the smell of my son. If you remember, Esau was an outdoorsman. And if you're outdoors for any amount of time, you come indoors, it's like, whoo, you smell it, don't you? Especially when it's still 70 in January. Smell that, I'm gonna mow my grass. Next week, it's gonna be in the 70s. It smells like outside. So what was Isaac saying? Was he saying, I just love the smell of the outdoors? No, here's what he's saying. I love that distinct smell because it reminds me of you. When I smell the outdoors, I think of my son. You matter to me. And I love spending time with you. I'm proud that God made you an outdoorsman, that you love to play outside. I love that about you. That distinct smell, it blesses me. Now, if you're a parent of a middle school son who has a strained relationship with showering, you know about that distinct smell. But Isaac's going, I love that smell because it reminds me of you. And I'm proud of you. He was speaking a message over him that was meaningful, that said, I love you. I accept you exactly the way that you are. He was showing love and acceptance with his words. Now, I need to say this before I go any further. Perhaps language of love and acceptance is not circulating your home right now. If that's the case, then maybe the first message that we need to communicate is I'm sorry. Sorry doesn't erase history, but it's the beginning of writing a new history. Sometimes it's by saying, I'm sorry. I've been critical. Even if you're well-intentioned and you're critiquing because you think that's actually building them up, it still can hurt. I'm sorry that I've used my words as a weapon to hurt you and wound you. I'm sorry and I ask you to forgive me. I love you. I am proud of you. I'm grateful for who God made you to be. I'm going to Speak that message of love and acceptance into your life. Words are powerful. Proverbs 18, 20, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. What does that mean? It means our words have the power to shape our destinies. What do I mean by that? Well, I don't mean we can name it and claim it because otherwise I'm going, Lord Lamborghini, and I'm gonna walk outside and vroom, vroom home, baby. That's not what it means. But it does mean when I speak, my words inform my thoughts. And my thought patterns determine my behavioral patterns. And so I have the power with my children, with my wife, to speak life into them to the point where those thoughts circulate their minds and then they translate into behavioral patterns. You know what's a, a wonderful thing about in the Garden of Eden? This is, this is so beautiful, for, especially for married, married couples. When, when God told Adam and Eve not to eat from the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and they did it anyways, and they did it, just after that, after the consequences have been administered, do you know what Adam said to his wife after they kind of had a little scuffle? But do you know what he said in the end? He said, I'm gonna rename you. I'm gonna call you Eve. You're not woman anymore. 
you're Eve to me. You know what Eve means? Giver of life. I'm going to speak life into you. I believe in you. I believe God's going to do great things through you. I have, I have that kind of deep belief. I'm going I'm to speak a message of love and acceptance into your life. Our kids, our loved ones need to hear us say, I'm proud of you. I love you. I, I appreciated hearing this pastor was at a conference and, and this pastor was like, look, I'm not a, the paragon of parenting, okay? And I'm saying the same thing to you. I, I am not a perfect parent. I'm not a perfect spouse. I'm, I'm a striving. I, I'm striving to become better. But this pastor said, look, I'm not a perfect parent, but I'll tell you one thing I did and it really was meaningful to my daughter. She's seven years old. I, I said to her, looked in the eyes, I go, look, hey, if you were to line up every single girl in the entire world, just line them all up, and then I got to pick which one of them would be my daughter, I would pick you. And she just smiled ear to ear. Our kids, our loved ones need to hear us speak a message of love and acceptance over them. Let me give you one final caution before we move to point three. It's very important that our praise is not tied exclusively to performance. Now we're going to praise performance. If, if, if your kid enters the race and gets first place, you're not going to go, yeah. You're going to go, yes, high five. You're going to go on Facebook, show the first place ribbon. Yeah, I mean, you're going to just lose it and, and, and celebrate. But if our kids or our loved ones, our spouse only hear us praise them when they perform well, we are teaching them a, about a false God. We're saying God loves you when you're perfect. And God's saying, I love you despite not being perfect. While you were a sinner, I sent my son Jesus to die for you. Your performance doesn't give you special standing with me, God says. It's your position as a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So we need to affirm our loved ones, affirm their immutable characteristics. Four of the most powerful words we can say is, I see in you. I see in you compassion. I see in you courage. I see in you mercy. I see in you faith. I see in you leadership. We're gonna affirm who they are, not only what they do, because what happens when what they do falls short? Is their confidence, is their identity also gonna fall by the wayside? It might. We're gonna affirm who they are, because who they are shapes everything that they do. So we're gonna speak a message of love and acceptance. That's a part of the blessing. Number three, we're going to attach high value to them. Isaac says, from the dew of heavens and the richness of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvests of grain and bountiful new wine. What is Isaac doing here? He's attaching high value to his son. He's saying, I believe there's greatness in you. And I see God doing some wonderful things in your life. He's attaching that high value to who his son is. In Psalm 139, 14, it says, God has made us fearfully and wonderfully. In other words, the value that we hold has already been assigned to us. Can't be taken away. My job as a parent or as a husband is not to assign value, is to affirm the value already assigned. Jessica better not count on me to find value because I just, I can't give it to her, but she can count on God to, to, to give it to her. He already has. So it really shouldn't be difficult for us to identify the characteristics the parts of who our kids are, our spouses, our, our loved ones, identify the goodness in them and attach high value to it. We all have intrinsic worth and value that God has already assigned to us and we can attach the value to it. Number four, picture a special future for them. Picture a special future for them. 
Isaac said, may many nations become your servants. May they bow down to you. What he was saying is, is that I see leadership in you. You, you are gonna be a great leader in your future. And not only that, not only are you gonna lead your family really well, you're gonna be a leader of leaders. You're gonna lead nations of people. I see that in your future. I'm picturing it. Here it is. He's picturing something special for their futures. And we as parents, although Isaac had the prophetic power to actually speak that, God gave him that prophetic power, we can't prophetically predict the future, but we can speak a positive future in their lives to give them hope and direction to go seize it. And make sure it's, of course, biblically rooted, no doubt. Um, last Thursday night, we were hanging out as a family, and you know, we do a little prayer time at the end of the evening, and, and an opportunity presented itself, as it has in times past, for us to paint a special picture for our kids. And I was talking to Adeline, and I said, hey, we know God's gifted you. He's, he's gifted you with mercy. He's gifted you with compassion. I believe God is going to use what he put in you to bless other people. You're gonna bring hope. You're gonna bring healing to many, many people. You're gonna be an amazing mommy someday. You're gonna be so patient with your kids. You're gonna be an amazing wife someday. God has greatness in your future using what he's already put in you. And I'm looking at her speaking this and then Ainsley's like, what about me? She just couldn't wait for her turn. And so I turned to her and I said, Ainsley, God has put leadership in you. And she's like, hmm, what's that mean? She's seven. I was like, okay. It means that people are gonna look to you to see what to do. And because you make wise choices, you're gonna lead a lot of people to Jesus. A lot, a lot of people are gonna come to know Jesus Christ as their savior because of you. I'm just painting a, a special picture for them. I believe that with all my heart. That's part of the blessing. Speaking that, that positive, hopeful, optimistic picture for their future. Where there's no vision, the people will perish. And so if we don't cast the vision for our loved ones, the world will. And the picture the world paints is counterfeit. It does not deliver on the promises that it makes. But God has a perfect track record of always honoring his promises. There's over a thousand in the Bible. He's never missed out on one of them. So paint a positive picture for the future. Last point is we're gonna affirm an active commitment to them. We're gonna affirm an active commitment to them. It's not enough to just say, I believe God's gonna do great things in you. Good luck with that. All right. And your kid's like, I'm four, daddy. What am I supposed to do? Like, hey, you're a smart four-year-old. You can figure it out. No. I believe God's gonna do great things in you and I'm in your corner. I'm gonna help you see that through. I'm with you. I am for you. When everyone else walks away, just turn and look. I'm right there by your side. I'm gonna help you achieve the greatness God has placed in you. We're gonna actively commit to doing it. You know, Jesus does the same thing for us. Remember whenever he told his disciples in Matthew 28, he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And I will be with you always. He's with us. He's gonna help us see it through. He doesn't leave us on our own as orphans. His spirit dwells within us to help us accomplish the mission, the great mission, the great co-mission that he's given to us. So what does that mean? Well, it means if, if we as parents... As we as parents tell our kids you're special, we probably need to take that phone 
Just set it down for a minute, look them in the eyes, and back it up by giving them our undivided, uninterrupted time and attention. If we see that our kids are maybe adventurous, then we're gonna, we're gonna actively commit to helping them continue to pursue that adventure which God has put in them. So we're gonna be spontaneous. We're gonna just go do something random or we're gonna go take them on a hike. If you see that your kid is an academic, they just love school, we're gonna make an investment in their academic future or maybe your, your, your child is very musically uh, gifted or interested, we're gonna buy them an instrument maybe and, and we're gonna give them some, some private lessons. I know for me, my youngest daughter, Ainsley, she's only seven, she has wanted to be a chef like forever. I'm pretty sure her first word was chef. Like she just loves being, she loves cooking. And so what do Jessica and I do? We are actively committed to letting her make a mess of our kitchen. I mean, it is a disaster when she's in there. And let me just tell you, you guys, that's a stretch for me. I mean, I have OCD. My, my staff tells me, you don't have OCD, you have CDO, because you gotta make sure it's alphabetically correct, you know, in the right order. And I feel like one of those guys, one of the waiters at a really nice refined restaurant, if you've ever been to, to one of those, like a Del Frisco's or, or, or you know, something like that. And whenever they give you the bread, God, God bless that manna from heaven. And you take a bite of it and a crumb falls off. What does the waiter do? The waiter, before almost the crumb can fall on that tablecloth, the waiter swoops in and just cleans that little crumb off. That's me in the kitchen with Ainsley. She's making a mess. I'm like, yeah, keep, keep having a good time, Ainsley. We, just, we actively commit to helping her exercise that. My youngest daughter, she loves to help serve people. So we signed her up to volunteer Mac kids. We're committed to helping our kids, not, not perfectly, but we're committed to helping them pursue God and work how God has wired them out for their good and for his glory. So we have an active commitment to helping them. Words of blessing are not enough. They have to be, they have to be backed up or they have to incorporate an active commitment to seeing that blessing come to fruition, whether it's with our kids, our spouses, our friends, whomever it may be. Let me leave you with one scripture. It's in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. And God is, he's giving the nation of Israel a choice before they go into the promised land with Joshua. He lays it out for them. And here's what the Lord says to the nation of Israel. I, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've placed before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live you and your descendants. So that's what's before us today, our families in 2022. We can either choose life or death, the blessing or the curse. Simply put, the blessing in that context means to add. We can add value, we can add life, we can add hope, we can add peace, we can add purpose to our kids, or we can subtract, that's what curse means. We can stop, we can block, we can withhold the flow of goodness in our family's lives. The good news though is, is that a blessing, a biblical blessing is not left to chance. It's our choice. We get to choose it. Choose the blessing or choose the curse. My goodness, let's choose the blessing. Let's bless our families. Let's add value to their lives. Let's nourish and cultivate an environment that is life-giving to those that we love. Let's choose the blessing and see what the blessing can do for you in 2022. Let's pray together. God, we thank you 
that you are a God who blesses. Certainly you bless us with material things. Your word says every good and perfect gift comes from God, but you bless us with immaterial things that are even more profound and significant. Your word says in Ephesians 1, 3, that every spiritual blessing has been given to us in Christ. And so I pray that there's anyone in the room today that's feeling an emptiness. They're feeling like uh, there's something lacking in their lives. I pray that they would find the blessing of God in Jesus Christ, receiving him as their savior. After all, we, we can't give a blessing if we don't first receive the blessing from our Father in heaven. And Lord, I, it's on my heart that there may be some, someone in this room or a number of people in this room that when looking back on their childhood, maybe it was more of a curse than a blessing. There wasn't any goodness flowing to them. Maybe it's because they had an abusive parent who was physical or verbal. Maybe they had an elusive parent. Someone who was absent, interested in other things, more so than themselves. And that's caused them to question whether or not they have worth and value. And I pray that you would remind them now that the value and worth of someone or something is really defined by how much a person is willing to pay for it. And you purchased us at the price of your son, Jesus. So I pray, Father, that you would remind them, whisper to their hearts that their value is immeasurable because they belong to you through Christ. And I pray that we will be a blessing to those in our lives because the best way to conquer a curse is to be a blessing. So Lord, help us to walk, walk away from today with that commitment to blessing our families, using that tool to communicate love and acceptance and to convey the heart of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.